Gather round, everybody, and welcome to a new season of Middle Tennessee basketball and a, a new season of the Blue Raider Hoops podcast. want to give a, uh, a giant thank you to everybody out there who's listening, um, everybody who's following me on social media. Uh, I have a, a lot of fun doing this, and y'all support really means so much to me. Um, so uh, enough with the, the tears. I will just get to the point. This is... This whole episode is just an interview with head coach Nick McDevitt. I thought about doing kind of a roster breakdown with it, but the interview is about 25-30 minutes, so I figured there's enough substance here to kind of push it on its own episode. And then, um, obviously, MTSU has, I don't want to call them cupcake games, but, I mean, they're very... MTSU should win these two games this week versus Lee's McRae and Milligan, so... Once we watch those, um, there will be a lot more to digest on, and I will uh, I will come out with that roster breakdown and season preview episode for you. I'm thinking about Saturday, maybe Sunday, but um, sometime this weekend, look out for that. But the uh, the interview is really good. I, a giant thank you to head coach Nick McDevitt. I, I probably put in too many corny Asheville references. We're both from Asheville, and I'm... I'm just kind of obsessed with that in a weird way. But anyway, uh, besides that, it's a lot of really good stuff. He talks about his career at UNCA, kind of who it's molded him into as a coach and a person and how it's kind of prepared him for this season at Middle Tennessee. And we talk quite a bit about this year's team and, you know, what we should expect and the schedule and this, that, and the third and all that good stuff. So um, here it is, my interview with head coach Nick McDevitt. Once again, thanks for listening, y'all, and hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Blue Raider Hoops podcast, the only podcast that exclusively covers the MTSU men's basketball team. As always, I'm your host, Oliver Baltz, and today I am fortunate enough to be joined by a fellow Western North Carolinian, um... He is also the current head coach for the Middle Tennessee State men's basketball program. Coach Nick McDevitt, thanks so much for coming on, Coach. How's everything going today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Um, how's Murphy's bro? So I remember when you first arrived here, you talked a lot about not just Middle Tennessee State, but Murphy's bro was a big part of why you and your family chose to come and, and leave Asheville for this. So has it kind of lived, lived up to your expectations in the first seven months? Uh, it really has. And then some, uh, my wife and I with our two children are very happy here in Murfreesboro. Uh, things have been going uh, well for our family. And obviously was as parents of two young children, uh, Cooper now being four and a half and our daughter, Katie, uh, at seven months, where we live um, is really important. The, the kind of schools that they'll be attending, the communities that they live in as they grow up are awfully important to myself and my wife. And so, um, you know, when, when we were looking at obviously moving here to Murfreesboro, that was something that was very important to us. You know, family's a, a big part of who we are. Uh, I'm very close with, with my family and uh, obviously now very close with Lauren and her family, and, and she comes from a big family. Uh, she has uh, four siblings, three sisters and a brother. So, uh, again, uh, family for both myself and my wife is, is awfully important, and where we have our family was something that uh, we said to each other that we would always keep as a, a high priority, 
in Murfreesboro has uh, treated us very, very well over the last seven months. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can mirror that. I mean, like you, I moved out from Western North Carolina when I was, I, I was a little bit younger. But that being said, I didn't know a soul. And I, I've in the last 10 years, I've made more friends than I can count. So it's a very welcoming and it, it's a great place. It doesn't have all the, the drum circles and the hippies floating down the river like Asheville. But. <laughs> well, it does have some great things to it, though. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great places here in town. And uh, a lot of great folks, as you mentioned, we've been fortunate enough like you to, to meet a lot of, uh, you know, great people and, and, uh, middle Tennessee supporters. And, uh, this, this town is, uh, uh, true blue for sure. And, uh, we've, we've been having a good time here. Coach, uh, got a few questions about your whole tenure at UNCA and, you know, you spent over 20 years there. And what I think is like really inspirational and admirable is you know, the way you moved up the ladder, literally, you went from player to grad assistant to assistant coach to associate head coach to head coach. I mean, literally just all in one place. And I'm sure you always felt very blessed and fortunate that it could be, you know, right where you grew up or just, you know, one county down. But, you know, just talk about that journey and that whole experience of moving up the ladder at UNCA. Well, I was fortunate enough to be, um, you know, to, to be around great people at UNC Asheville and in the Asheville area. It's obviously home for me. Uh, I had a lot of family members that attended UNC Asheville uh, before I did as a player. I got there in 1997 as a freshman and uh, played for a, a great coach in Eddie Biedenbach. Uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, be on the road recruiting with him shortly after graduation and really worked for him ever since. And, um, you know, coaching college basketball uh, close to home, the the place you went to school, uh, I was happy. And so I I told myself that uh, as long as you're happy, why why change it? And unless something great comes along. And uh, obviously when the opportunity here came along, it was a a wonderful opportunity for myself and my family. So – uh, but again, to, to to stay at Asheville and learn from a guy that uh, in Coach Biedenbach that uh, has done so much in the game of basketball. Uh, you know, he played at NC State, uh, coached at NC State and at, and at Georgia, uh, won a national championship as a, an assist, assistant coach at NC State, recruited David Thompson uh, back in the 70s to NC State, had a short stint uh, in the pros with the LA Lakers. So, uh, to really be around a guy like that, learn from him, uh, but he also uh, allowed me uh, as kind of a, a sink or swim early in my career. Uh, he wasn't a, a micromanaging head coach. Uh, he he kind of told myself as well as the other assistants, here's the job that needs to get done, and you've got to figure out what what's your own method, what's the best way of getting the job done. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but I'm just telling you it's got to get done. And so – I uh, was able to learn things that worked and things that didn't. Uh, often you, you learn best from the mistakes that you make. And uh, now it's your job not to make the same mistake twice. And so he was uh, a guy that uh, was was really good to me, uh, mentoring me over the years and um, staying in close contact with him still. Uh, I actually just talked to him a couple of days ago. So was a guy that uh, really helped me in my career and 
Um, had a great time playing for him and obviously working alongside of him. Coach, obviously you had a lot of success at UNCA as far as, uh, you know, when you were both an assistant and a head coach. Uh, I think I read something that said UNCA is the only school in the entire Big South to ever win 15 games for 11 consecutive seasons. Uh, you went to the tournament as both an assistant and a head coach many times, and even if you didn't, you, you won the conference. So that's all very impressive, but the thing that really sticks out to me is the players you were able to bring into the Big South who ended up being power conference caliber players. Um, you know, Andrew Rousey and Marquette is the big example. I know he averaged over 20 a game, but, you know, you also look at Keith Hornsby at Keith Hornsby at LSU, Dylan Smith at Arizona, Dwayne Sutton at Louisville. And, you know, from last year's team, you have Masio Teague that went to Baylor and Jonathan Bear that went to Clemson. So, you know, my question is sort of kind of a chicken or the egg type of question. Do you feel like you saw something special in these kids? You or your staff saw something special in these kids as a recruit that, you know, maybe other coaching staffs didn't really see? Or was it more about developing them at UNCA, putting them in position to be successful, you know, potentially bringing something out of them that they might not have even know they had? Or maybe was it a little bit of both? I think that's it. I think it's just a, a little bit of both. Uh, some guys that were uh, a little under-recruited, in our opinion, uh, guys that uh, we felt like were great players. And I think the biggest thing, uh, in, in really any sport, any level, is the fit, uh, the coaching style fit, the playing system fit, uh, the culture of the program and the guys, their teammates around them. How does that fit with that individual? And is that going to be a place where they can be successful? You see it in the pros, guys that get traded from one organization to another, and all of a sudden it goes from being kind of an average guy uh, to one of the best players on the team he just got traded to. And everybody says, where did he come from? Right. Uh, often it's because of uh, the, the system that they're in, the, the the environment that they're in as well. It's not just the, the playing system, but it, it's also that day-to-day -day environment. And does that fit your personality, who you are? Do you like going to work, uh, if that be in the pros? Or do you like going to play in, in the school that you're at, the town that you go to school in all those things for each young man, each young woman uh, at the college level is awfully important. And we just felt like with each of those guys, they fit who we were. Uh, our playing style we felt like was conducive to, to their skill set. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to have some, uh, you know, some success with those guys. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for us at the time, we, we lost several of them either after their freshman or their sophomore year. Uh, but at the same time, we're able to, uh, help them develop as young men, as players. And, uh, you know, they've, they've all gone on to have uh, good careers at their next stop. Touching a little bit on that sort of player turnover, um, a little story I'll tell you. The day before your opening press conference, I posted a status on Facebook basically asking all of my friends from Asheville if they had any insight on head coach Nick McDevitt. Because, I mean, if I'm from Asheville, grew up there the first, eight, the first 18 years of my life, I got to know somebody who knows somebody who knows coach Nick McDevitt. And eventually I came across a buddy of yours, Kevin Cantwell 
former Appalachian State coach. Um, it turns out he is the uncle of one of my buddies, but he was really nice. We talked for about 45 minutes, and one of the things that he said about you that really stuck out to me is, you know, we were talking about the, the roster at the time and, you know, players potentially transferring or decommitting, which always happens in, you know, whenever there's a, a coaching change, but he really emphasized that you were not going to flinch under any circumstances because of you know the turnover adversity that you had faced at UNCA with these these really talented players eventually going to power five schools so you know and he is exactly right you in your first two months you got four transfers and three high school commits and you know you reshaped the roster completely so you know you still face an uphill battle as I'm sure you know as far as you know preparing a brand new team for this season but just talk about your experience at Asheville facing that turnover adversity and how it's prepared you for this season? Well, I, I think it's about have knowing kind of who you are and what you're about uh, and also having uh, kind of your core values and, and having a, a steady day-to-day uh, strategic approach to what you're doing both on and off the court. And because of that, I think it's allowed us not to – really get too high during the good times or too low and down during the, the, the times where you're struggling a little bit. Uh, and I think it allows you, if you have those things in place, uh, to kind of withstand the tough blows. You know, sometimes it, it, it is a tough blow, although we were able to recover and find other talented players uh, after we lost some of our, our guys at Asheville that transferred, I think it's because of the, the players that were around him, the, the other guys in the program, that they too fit. You know, they too uh, were big pieces of our program. Um, you know, we, we tried never to be, and I don't think that we were, uh, kind of a, a one-man team or a, a two-man show. Uh, and that allows you, in my opinion, to withstand – uh, the years where you graduate really good players or if you have a really good player that gets hurt and has to sit out a year or if you have unfortunately sometimes a guy that transfers out that you're really counting on uh, as long as things aren't uh, designed just around one person and that it's considering the the, the whole part uh, the entire team uh, I think you can uh, enjoy successes but at the right level and with the right mindset. And at the same time, when you're going through some adversity, uh, that it's th- those times, it, it doesn't break you. Uh, you, you learn from it. You, you get better as an organization or as a program or as a group and, uh, continue to move forward. And I think, uh, you know, just having a, a, a strong staff around me, uh, both at Asheville and here at middle has allowed us to, to kind of go through those processes and, um, you know, continue moving forward. Coach, let's get to Middle Tennessee. So I want to hear your thoughts on this year's schedule, particularly the non-conference schedule. And obviously you didn't have a hand in crafting this one, but, you know, you face a really grueling start to the season as far as just very <laughs> tough teams. Um, uh, You know, the one that sticks out is Virginia, who's turned into one of the most successful programs in all of college basketball. But you'll play them in the battle for Atlantis and, that whole field is pretty stacked. So you're, you're guaranteed to play two more tough opponents down there. And then obviously you have at Belmont, at Vanderbilt, at Rhode Island, um, 
neutral versus Ole Miss, home versus Murray State and Lipscomb. How do you prepare a team that's kind of brand new for this sort of gauntlet? And how do you kind of keep their focus level? <laughs> well, uh, kind of the same, uh, hopefully with the same thought process and the mindset that I was just speaking to. Uh, it's about the, the, the day-to-day process. Are you consistent in your messaging? Are you consistent uh, with the things that uh, you're teaching? Are you uh, an example of the things that you're teaching? Uh, you, you can't fly off the handle and be hot and cold, high and low day-to-day, or else a uh, young, inexperienced team, that roller coaster that you will ride with them, the ups and downs, gets even greater uh, because of, you know, really your approach, your uh, leadership. And I think your your team, our team, is going to feed off of that one way or the other. Uh, it is a very tough non-conference schedule, uh, but we got to be focused on are we getting better, um, you know, controlling what we can control. Uh, most of this year's non-conference schedule was done before we got here. Uh, there are some of the games that we did schedule, but we can't control that. You know, what, what we have to control is our part. Uh, Conference USA is a difficult league. It's hard to win, and it's very hard to win on the road. Uh, that's what's going to happen in our non-conference play. It's going to be hard to win uh, some of the home games that we have in non-conference play, and very hard to go on the road at some of those places and get a win, going to Belmont, to Vanderbilt, uh, on a neutral site versus teams like Ole Miss and Virginia. Uh, we play either Butler or Dayton in game two of the Bahamas. So uh, that's that's going to be life in Conference USA. And so uh, our true freshmen or redshirt freshmen that we have, as well as our veteran players who just don't have a, a lot of logged minutes, they just don't have a lot of experience at the college level, uh, will find out in non-conference play what it's going to take week in and week out, day in and day out in order to win in this league. Uh, because, uh, again, Conference USA is a darn good league, and uh, it, it's it's tough in conference play every night. Coach, something interesting about the way you've crafted this roster kind of on the fly, um, but you've also mentioned it plenty of times too, is just your versatile players, um, long story short, and – you know, you, you say you like to get tall guards and skilled forwards. And, you know, I, I, I look at the team and, you know, you have Anthony Crump, who's 6'8". He's probably the tallest kid out there if Gamble's not on the floor. Um, and he sort of has a small forward type of role. But then you have Reggie Scurry down low, who's two inches shorter, or listed as two inches shorter, but has more of a power forward or even a center type of game. And, you know, there has been a narrative developing overall levels of basketball the last five, 10 years kind of headlined as positionless basketball. So like I said, you talk about versatility and players of all sizes and positions doing multiple things. Do you buy into that sort of growing narrative of positionless basketball? I do think that there are, uh, because of, um, there are so many players out there now that can do all things, pass, dribble, shoot. Uh, despite or, you know, uh, not necessarily just based on height, uh, they're able to do certain things. For instance, uh, you mentioned John Bear earlier that transferred from our place at Asheville to uh, Clemson. 
and he was the tallest player on our roster at Asheville, but took like the second or third most threes on our team. Uh, one of our shorter players, uh, but a very strong player, was Kevin Venata. Uh, was about six two, but about two hundred pounds. Very strong. Had really good feet in the post. So we, no kidding, probably posted him up as much as anybody on our team, uh, because we felt like that's where we had an advantage is with him in the post, or with John out on the perimeter. And I think that's the way, uh, you know, it's kind of the way people look at positionless basketball. Bigs can shoot threes now. Um, bigs can get rebounds and start the break. You see guys like uh, Clay Thompson, for instance. You got six eight guards, shooting guards in the NBA uh, that can also post up. So uh, you know, I think the the other part to having versatile, mobile, uh, positionless, if you will, players is you can move guys around throughout the course of a season or their career. As guys, as we mentioned earlier, sometimes somebody transfers. Uh, somebody gets hurt, you know, if, if what all you have on your roster uh, are guards that are designated as great ball handlers. So they're the point guard, you know, if that guy goes down and your other guards can't dribble, you got a big problem. And so what we try to do is be able to soak those kinds of issues up, uh, be able to withstand them. Uh, if somebody has to miss a game because of a turned ankle or, um, you know, you know, goes down for a longer period of time because of something worse, uh, it doesn't crush your season. Uh, you've got guys that, as you mentioned, Anthony Crump, that could go, if if he was in a pinch, could he play the four? You know, that's not something we're, we're diving into this year. Uh, but if you were ever in a pinch at, at some point, could can he spell somebody for a couple of minutes because he is 6'8", uh, and play at the four spot? So, I think having those interchangeable parts uh, allows you to withstand uh, foul trouble in games. It allows you to withstand injuries throughout the course of the season. It allows you to withstand graduation and and sometimes perhaps transfers throughout uh, the the course of your program from year to year. And so uh, by having guys that can do a lot of different things, it allows you to move some some of your parts around uh, from day to day, week to week, year to year. Coach, after a, uh, a an overhaul of the first few months after you got hired, you've had you know basically what you know of as your team the last, or I guess since the end of July, beginning of August. So that's about three months. And how have those first three months been as far as analyzing your team? Um, you know, what are strengths, weaknesses, any type of uh, just analyzation you have for this team? I think one of the things, and I told our group this, one of the things that I think is going to serve us well, and it already has, but will continue to do so, is how coachable they are. Uh, They really do, as a group, listen and want to get better. Uh, From day to day, you can see this group continuing to grow and get better. Um, And that's, that's what's encouraging is... You know, it, it's uh, you, you could find yourself being worried if you're looking back over the last couple of months. And this is with any program, despite how where you start, whether you were expected to be great or not, 
uh, if you're not getting better. And that's one of the things that's been really encouraging is uh, seeing some of our guys continue to grow and some of the returning players uh, taking on more significant roles. You know, like players like Carl Gamble and James Hawthorne and Donovan Sims were integral parts of the championship teams over the last couple of years. Uh, but at the same time, what they, they're going to be asked to do in order for this year's team to be successful is very different. And the, the willingness to take on those kind of roles isn't always easy, uh, but they're doing a great job of it. Uh, watching how some of our new players are meshing with our old players is the other part that I would say is very encouraging. Uh, it's not easy to have a, a, a group that is really never spending time together we were talking just a couple of days ago because of a couple uh, nicks and bruises and banged up guys here and there, uh, a couple of small injuries. We still haven't had our entire team full go for a practice yet, a full contact, full team roster practice. And in order to uh, – and seeing our guys get better, even with that being said, has been really good. So we're looking forward to – kind of having all of, all of our guys out there uh, not banged up and, and uh, being able to, to continue practicing and getting better. That definitely does sound encouraging, just the fact that, you know, they are somewhat of a new player. I mean, only five of these kids knew each other last year. So the fact that you see them improving and you see just chemistry there already, it's a, definitely a sign of good news. It is. And, and, you know, obviously we signed some players over the summer, so not all of our players were here in summer school either. Uh, we had a late start uh, to school when you look, you know, compared to some other universities where we start on August the 27th, I believe it was this year. Uh, that weekend, August 25th, was the first time some of these guys had seen each other, you know, because this player committed over the summer and never came to summer school. So, uh, he didn't meet the other player that committed over the summer and didn't attend summer school. They weren't here on visits at the same time. Uh, they knew of each other, but had never met each other. And so to, to start developing chemistry off the court, but also trying to find that playing chemistry, those are two very different things. And uh, th that playing chemistry, uh, that just tends to happen over a longer period of time. And uh, we're starting to get some of that. Uh, they they are playing hard. Uh, they do like playing together and with each other. So uh, we were encouraged with our scrimmage. Uh, I thought our guys, we, we learned some things about ourselves. Um, you know, we're able to play some, some different guys, different playing combinations to, to see uh, what has a chance of working well throughout the year, uh, kind of get the, the, you know, game jitters, if you will, out of the way uh, by playing another college team. Uh, for four of our players, that was the case. You know, it was the first time they'd ever uh, played against another college opponent. So uh, it was, uh, you know, I thought a, a very productive day for us. All right, Coach, last question for you. Kind of going back to where we started, um, I know, like like we've said, the city of Murfreesboro played a very big part in your, you choosing to come work for this university. But, you know, leaving a place that you had been for, you know, over 20 years and the home you had spent your whole life at, you obviously saw a lot of potential in this basketball program. So that's my question. What potential do you see in this basketball program? 
Well, first of all, it, it's it's uh, to the short answer. It's it's very high. Um, that was one of the things that uh, intrigued me. Had my interest uh, was so compelling to to come here is uh, this this university, uh, but this town and its supporters want to see it do well. That they want to see. Uh, the university do well, but want to see the athletic programs, the athletic teams here at middle do well. And they support it. They support it with uh, their attendance uh, at games. You can't go to a a restaurant or a store here in town that doesn't have something of middle Tennessee up uh, on the walls or to sell or uh, flags out at the, the front door stickers everywhere uh, the town loves this program, uh, the athletic department, the school, and and you can feel that everywhere you go, whether it's my wife and I going out to eat, uh, shopping on the weekends, uh, going anywhere throughout the weekday. Uh, people care about what's going on over here. Uh, and again, they, they care in so many different ways, whether it's uh, their giving, uh, their phone calls, their emails, uh, just saying hello. Uh, the, the town really does want to see this do well, and that stuff matters. Uh, it matters in the longevity, uh, the long-term success of a program. Otherwise, you, you end up having a series of good teams. You have the occasional good team, but what you find are, are valleys. You get the real high highs, but you, you have dips. Uh, the the, the programs that have that kind of consistent support that widespread support uh those valleys are few and far between and that that's what i think we have here at middle is uh people who love it here uh the players still come back uh they're they're all the time coming by to check out practice uh which has been has been great and so uh i think the the ceiling uh for for this program uh this athletic department is very very high coach thanks so much for coming on the show doing an interview with me it means the world um good luck to the start of the season and the rest of the season and everything in between sounds great i appreciate you having me on glad to do it